please be advised that this podcast may contain strong language and themes of an adult's nature. I loved you. Too much to not let you be my first. And when you told me you'd found your soul in me, mate, I loved you too much to speak of my loss. I loved you too much to mind how often you lost your way home. I loved you too much to admit that every drop of tear born of intense laughter was far too often chased by soul destruction. You loved me too much to be there when I needed you. You loved me too much to not be there when I needed you. And when I asked, what do you do when the only person who can make you smile is the one who makes you cry? You loved me too much to hang around long enough to give me an answer. You loved me. Too much to ever be around to fix what you broke. Or acknowledge my very public breakdown at the reopening of wounds that struggled to heal. Ceremonial as it was, you loved me too much. To keep my sanity in the same box you placed the power I wistfully gave you over me. And now you're back. This time, telling me you love me too much. To ever let me leave. I hear myself tell you. I love you. Too much to ever take you back again. In truth, I think I love me too much. To ever let me be crushed by the destructiveness of our love. My mother told me that she will buy me a rubber dolly if I was good, good. And now for the Unsullied with Orica Goddess. Get in there. I had a chance encounter with today's guest during my second trip to South Africa. This is back in 2018. I was there for the launch of Joseph Adesunloye's film called Faces. It starred Terry Petto, who... I mean, you might be Nigerian and listening and you might not know who she is, which I think is odd. And we're going to get into that later on. But I find that a lot of African people, we don't always watch our own films from within the African region for different reasons, distribution, ignorance, whatever. But in any case, if you don't know who she is, she's a South African actress who won an Oscar and her being in the film, it just meant we were always going to end up premiering it in South Africa. And so we went to the Durban International Film Festival for that, naturally. Um, I have been to South Africa before. The first time I went, I didn't have a great time, although the reason was absolutely down to the people I went with. And I knew I would need to come back to re-experience um, the place. And the place, like it's a tiny place, not a tiny place. South Africa is huge. Um, but I mean the country and the people and the culture and the fun and all the activities South Africa had to present. That said, I was supposed to go to Durban and I was very nervous. I was very nervous because of how my first trip turned out. And so this was going to be, because my manager wasn't available, my friends weren't able to come. So it was going to be a, a solo trip, um, doing a, the promo tour for this film. And I was just really dreading it. I was dreading all the sad, awkward loneliness that can be a life on the roads, on the press junkets, touring alone, especially in a foreign land. What I wasn't prepared for was meeting people like today's guests and the lifelong connections that Durban offered that year. As we broke our first naan at an Indian restaurant, shared vodka tonic and music at a very artsy bar in Durban, I fell in love with today's guest, her warmth, her drive, the ease to which she just transitioned across space, 
and her keen observation of the film and television landscape in not just South Africa, but the interconnectivity between our stories as Africans and how they could and should actually be amplified on the global stage. She's one of the head leaders in charge at Burns Onion, a name I actually absolutely love, uh, a production company responsible for bringing a whole hit of TV shows and movies to South Africa and shores beyond, including Bedford Wives, which is a TV series that's available on Amazon, and most recently, a Netflix original movie called Seriously Single, which was released on the 31st of July, 2020. She is uber bubbly with an admirable penchant for storytelling and we are so lucky that she decided to hone her talents on this side of the equator she works hard and yet somehow finds the time to share through ig stories exactly the kind of entertainment needed at the right time at least for me because anytime i log on i see her post i'm just like oh god i needed that thank you <laughs> her self-depreciating memes and videos are so cute and the post she shares uh, of her travels and adventures around the world will have you renegotiating your travel budget with your financial advisor. Through her, I have learned exactly where, why not? And what's the worst that will happen can get you. And how the easier things look, the more competent the person behind the wheel is. She has taught me vodka tonic should absolutely be a thing everybody does. And I can't wait to repay her by taking her around Lagos someday and introducing her to my own cocktail, which is palm wine and champagne. Her name is Retavile Ramapakela, Retini or Reti for short. And this is why she's on Solid. Welcome, Retini. Yay, I'm nice. That was an amazing intro. I was, like, <laughs> I was listening like, oh my God. And I was like, she's... What? You're such a storyteller. And, and you like took me back to Durban and that trip was just Oh, no, it was amazing, yeah. And, and I've done the Durban Film Festival before and that trip was just a meeting of a whole lot of people. We have Terry to thank for that, but like, absolutely, you're completely right. And we had a show that we were planning to do that was going to be a Nigeria-South Africa show. Obviously, it doesn't pan out, but... Yeah, I think this lifetime connection is going to manifest in so much, into so much bigger things. I can't wait. All right. Can we start with getting a sense of, of where you're from in terms of what's your origin story? Who are your parents? What were their values, their beliefs, how they define success, their grandparents and such and such and the kind of things that have been instilled in you through how you grew up? So born and bred in Johannesburg, South Africa in Soweto, which is like a township, a very famous township in Johannesburg. I have, my parents are still alive. Names are Sheila and Amos Ramapakela. I am the youngest of three kids and my two older brothers are actually my business partners as well. We started Burnt Onion Productions and we've been running for 12 years. And I think that tells you a lot about our parents, I suppose. The fact that I can have a sustainable film and television business with my siblings is insane. And it's one of the many questions I get asked. How do you work with your brothers? I'm like, easy. They know that I'm the diva <laughs> and I'm going to want to complain and they can handle it. Um, no, yeah, I think, you know, from a long time, our parents entertained us, like entertain what we wanted to do. I think it's been hard for them to realize that this entertainment industry is not exactly instant gratification we're not going to have you know they, they imagine their kids would be accountants and stuff so that you know we can sustain our lives live in nice houses drive nice cars that's what they want from us but they've never expected it from us 
which is great. So for me, from when I was eight years old, I was like, I want to be on TV. This is me. This is my life. Welcome to my world. Um, and I was constantly forcing them to take me to modeling and auditions and all those crazy things. And I think my mom and dad were just like, okay, let's just do it. Let's just do it. And I don't even know we had, they had the means to do half the stuff that they did for me, but they did it anyway because they believed in that's what I wanted to do. So I ended up being a kid's presenter growing up. And my mom even retired from her teaching job um, in Soweto and in one of the Rarafa sort of neighborhoods of Soweto and Zola to make sure she could pick me up and drive me and take me to the oh, kids' wow. presenting channel that I used to present for. I know, it's like so, so incredible. So, you know, I was so supported in that way. And I suppose when I look back, it's like that's not how many people have it, including when I wanted to go to film school. I went to a pretty expensive film school in Johannesburg. And I remember, you know, when we went there, it's not that it doesn't look like what it looks like now. It's still pretty run down. My mom was like, oh, you want to go here? This doesn't even look like a school. It looks like we're in a warehouse in the corner of a dodgy area of Johannesburg. And I was like, I want to go here. And, you know, they just they just made a way and made a plan, which is so strange. Like, I don't know where that comes from in them. That is just like, cool, we'll support you. Whatever you want to do, we'll support you. Whatever you want to do. It, it almost felt like if I wanted to say, oh, I'm going to go be a Las Vegas show dancer, they'd be like, cool, we'll support you. Whatever you want to do. So, in a, yeah, maybe that's my next career. Who knows? <laughs> it sounds like you've thought this out a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I, lo- I was too specific, right? I was like, imagine if I was a Las Vegas show dancer. It sounds like you've already started making your costume even. <laughs> it's in the closet somewhere. Girl, don't even get me started. Yeah, exactly. Don't get me started. Try to sit on the video and start a show for you. Yeah. Um, so I think it's just been a super supportive kind of environment I've grown up in. I always say I never knew my grandfathers. Um, they both passed on way before um, I was born. And I'm always like, that's such an interesting relationship that I've longed for. Both my grandmothers, um, I saw them, obviously grew up with them. They, 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 were, they were not in Johannesburg. They were a bit, well, one was, but my mother's mother wasn't. So we'd all, often go see her. And there was an interesting conversation I once had with her and she asked me what, like, you know, she sees, cause I'm like a model C kind of black girl in South Africa, you know? So went to a lot of white schools, if you can call it that, have a lot of white friends. So one day she says to me, do you have white friends? And I'm like, yes, Coco, which is grandmother. And she's like, don't let them steal your crown. I was quite young when she said this. I was like, what is she saying? You know, just like, don't let them steal your crown. She tried, you know, she sort of gave me a lecture about how white people have a tendency to do this. But it's, it's so crazy. At that point, it meant nothing. And growing up, the older and older I get, it means everything. And it's the steering point that you sort of look at. And not just, I'm not just talking from a race perspective, just in general, not letting people steal your crown is something that I've held dear to me. And in moments of insecurity and whatever, it's those words that have held, I've held onto. And when she passed away, I'm not so sure how many years it's been now, I got a crown tattooed on myself. And just as a reminder of like, you know, don't let anyone, whoever it is, steal your crown. So yeah, that's a, so the, sort of my guiding light and principles, super supportive parents and, you know, just, guiding lights I'm now I always now I've never really 
growing up never thought of ancestors or you know that kind of stuff but now with my grandmothers both being gone now I'm I have a more of a relationship with them now than I did when they were alive which is weird because <laughs> I often often question like oh what is what what are they thinking of you doing this now what are they thinking of that because their lives are hard you know when we think about what our parents and grandparents have gone through and compare it to what we're able to do it's almost like a privilege of unknown proportion and sorts so it makes me so grateful so then i'm always like i'm making them proud in many ways because they never got to live their dreams they never had parents who could support them because you know of the times that we're living in so yeah so it's just like it's as you grow older you appreciate that more but i've definitely just had a really and being able to work with my brothers is insane i love it i, I think they're the best business partners that i could ever have and to go through this journey with them is incredible yeah that's my story i hope i answered your question <laughs> no you definitely did and you've given me a lot to think about as well because um the only grandparent that i had access to was my grandma and when she passed away it's and there's so many things that I promised myself I would do. She's just an amazing person. She, I lived with her and when I was a, from when I was a toddler to I, I think when I was two or three or something. And at different points in my life, she'd always been that person that I would look forward to, whether summertime or whatever, to going to spend time with. So she was a very key person in my life. And so when she passed, it felt the way I imagine some people would feel if an immediate parent or guardian passed away. And um, she was also my mm. last and only connection to the village where I'm from, which is in Kogi State. It's called Ogori. And I don't speak the language. I used to almost, almost understand it. So if you said I'd catch maybe every other word, but I couldn't, you know, say it back. And I was mm. hoping that I would get to learn. So with her passing, I now don't have that connection. So I know what you mean about how... No, despite the fact your grandma has passed, there's a part of you that has more of a connection with her now because there are conversations I have in my head with my grandmother about, you know, things I'm doing, the path I'm on. Exactly. Should I, you know, and, and I feel, and there's another thing where when I was growing up, I used to have these really weird dreams and she was like my my dream translator. So I miss her so much because there are times I wake yeah. up and I'm like, I had this really weird dream, but nobody's telling to <laughs> you know yeah like what does it mean what's happening yeah that's interesting exactly and grandma she always knew exactly what it meant she would pray with me she would encourage me and you know all these wise sayings and things that i just felt I'm, I'm so grateful that i had so because of her actually i now want to do a project which i'm tentatively calling the legacy project mm. because the part of nigeria i'm from are where we're very very small village and our, the language we speak there is one of those that's, I forget how many years they mentioned, but it's at risk of becoming extinct, extinct oh, wow. as, yeah. So I actually want to go to the village and record voices and experiences and stories of as many people as I can and just have a, a, an audio archive of it. Let it exist somewhere. Let people be able to come and find it because it's not like one of those ones that people study at, you know, SOAS University in England, for example, because it's not a major language, mm -hmm. but I don't want it to die. And for me, that's a way of honoring my grandmother. Um, so that would be my own tattoo. And what I loved about your tattoo story as well is even by putting on and remind, reminding yourself, you know, the not letting people steal your crown, it's not even just other people. Sometimes we get in our own way. Absolutely. And sometimes you can be the one taking the crown off your head. You know, you want to go for, for a particular dream or ambition and you think, oh, maybe I shouldn't, or maybe now's not the right time. And you have to remind yourself that that's your crown. Don't take it off. 
So no, I love that. Yeah. No, that was really wonderful. It's it's a hard one to learn. Like I, I keep, I go through bad points in my life and I just like tattoo stuff on myself just to remind myself. So how many <laughs> tattoos do you have? And have you been learning the right lessons or do you still need like 70 more? <laughs> I think I may need another hundred. Who knows? Like, I don't know that many, but I have let it shine on my wrist, my left wrist. So that was just a reminder about my light and just let it shine, let it shine. I'm constantly just having, you know, just this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. So I have that. And, you know, sometimes it takes me by surprise. Sometimes I'll be like, oh, look at these words on your wrist that reminds you to just be the greatness that you are and you're not doing that. Sometimes it's just there, this tattoo that I have. Mm. So it's so weird when it hits me. But I'm like, oh, right, yeah, that's what you got. Or sometimes I'm just like, oh, there's this, this thing on me. And it's so weird. I'm not a tattoo person. Like, I'm not. It's so painful. I hate it. When did you get your first tattoo and why? Um, I got one six years ago after being in a terrible situationship. That's what I'm going to call it. Um, with a guy who was like, obviously, I, I don't blame them because I don't think I knew my worth enough to have left earlier or like ended it earlier. So... We broke up. I shaved my head. <laughs> and then I was like... Was that the first? That wasn't the first time no, you shaved no, your no, head. Because no. I know you've done all kinds of amazing things. You cut it, you dye it, you cut it, you dye it. I'm like... Yeah, I'm crazy. Like, just don't leave me alone for too long. Like, lockdown was just, like, a little too much. Because I'll be like, one day I'm like, ooh, how about purple? And then a week later, I'm like... What? What? And then you were like, why did we allow you to do this? And I'm like, we, all we do is watch your videos. We don't live there with you. We can't take the, the, the peroxide from your hands. You literally show us after you're done. <laughs> but that's what I'm saying. I'm like, I wish you guys would be like, don't do anything with your hair. Because that's what happens. I'll just be sitting there and being like, oh. And it will be weird. It will be after a long day that I'm just like, I need a change. And then I'm like, purple, yay. Then the next morning I'm like, oh my gosh, you need to live with someone who can tell you <laughs> to put the peroxide away, back away, step away. But I live alone. Nonsense. So yeah. I think it's great. Please do it. Diet. My mom still does. And she's in her seventh, seventh is she 18 now? Oh gosh, I can't remember. Oh wow. That's awesome. Yeah. And she still dies it. She oh, well, now, do you have siblings? Yeah, I do. Yeah. Uh, my sister who lives not too far away from her. Um, but yeah, I have siblings um, all over the place. We literally are in different countries. Okay. <laughs> literally. Yeah. yeah. But that's like the like Nigerian way though. Like, I feel like that's the Nigerian way of life where you have family all over the yeah. world. I, I don't know what it is about to us that the second we come out of the womb, we want to get as, as far <laughs> away and a, across a different country as possible. I don't know. We literally just spread and scatter. And catch up on Zoom. But you also like well educated. We invented Zoom, I feel. Zoom was created for Nigerians. <laughs> no, no, clearly. Because I don't know how else you guys have been communicating after all these years. It's just like, what? You know, someone's in London, someone's in South Africa, someone's everywhere. Yeah. And I'm like, how do you guys get over all over the world? It's quite amazing. Yeah. Anyway, so I got my first tattoo after a bad relationship. So that was six years ago. Shaved my head, got the tattoo. So I was like, cool. Then my grandmother passed away maybe three to four years after that. And I got the crown and then I got some birds Ooh. like uh, flying away. What does that represent? It was very painful. Um, just 
freedom of movement, I suppose, you know, so it's like birds like lifting off. It's not finished, but because I hate tattoos so much, <laughs> then I do it in phases, but it's been like four years and I'm still like, yeah, yeah, yeah it's not Is finished. it a really big one that needs a lot of detail? <laughs> no. Well, I, eventually I want there to be a tree. So the oh, birds were taking off from the yeah, tree. That's going to hurt. But I'm just like, yeah, we're we're going to, and plus it's like at a weird place in my body. So like I gained weight and I was like, okay, so I'll just finish this when, you know, I have a six pack, which is never <laughs> going to happen. So, you know, now I'm just like in between tattoos. Meanwhile, I have all these plans. Are you getting it colored in as well? Or is it just, are you keeping it in two colors maximum? I don't know. I, I feel like after 2020, I feel like I have to just bite the bullet and do like finish off what I started. Yeah, yeah I'm going to send you a picture actually of a friend of mine who started off very, very simple. And then I don't know how many years later, maybe six or seven, she has an entire back full, fully covered, colored in. Oh, I'm wow. going to send it to you. Wow. Yeah. Please do. I'd so be inspired. It's so painful. Do you have any? Bite the bullet. <laughs> do you have tattoos? I don't because I've always felt it's a commitment. So I just, I don't know. I'm, I'm not good with commitments. <laughs> that's what I thought about myself. Like literally, that's what I thought. Because, yeah, hello, I change my hair Hooray. every week. Hi. <laughs> this is me we're talking about. So I always thought I wouldn't be able to do it. But literally, I'm like, oh, there's that thing. Oh, even the ones that I'm like the birds, which is incomplete and now doesn't look that great. You would think I'd be more distraught about it. <laughs> I'm just literally like, oh, I did a thing. <laughs> I'm just like, oh, okay, moving right along. It's so weird. That's the one part of my personality that surprised mm. me. You know, that I was like, oh, am I this person that can be okay with this thing that is going to be on my body for the rest of my life? Um, and once I did it, it's so funny. A friend of mine was like, well, if you can do it, because they know how I am, they're like, then I'm going to do it. And now they have like 10 tattoos because they were like, this is actually not yeah. so bad so yeah it's interesting oh, interesting that you even learned things about yourself through having the tattoo and i think that fear of of commitment is is something that you, you imagined that you had or maybe it's a different kind of commitment and you realize that this isn't so much a commitment as much as a a note to self a reminder to self and a form of self-love and in which case it's okay to commit yeah. to that maybe yeah i think so and, and even though the birds aren't perfect or they didn't come out perfect it's so weird like i could have a lot of like uh self-esteem issues or i don't like this i don't know i don't like how I, the, I look but it's so interesting that the tattoos of the birds which aren't perfect and i don't really like how he did it in my mind i'm like yeah but there's a bigger yeah. picture there's a bigger picture and you can get it sorted out. And only now hearing you say it back to me, it's like, why don't you see, why don't you see yourself like that? Like there's a bigger picture. It's not perfect now, but you know, you know what you want it to be. And eventually I'm going to go to the tattoo artist and finish it. But so I forgive that. It's weird, but yeah, I suppose that's a lesson. Look at this. This is better than <laughs> therapy. Oh my God. I'm going to cancel immediately. No, like, You're going to need it. <laughs> If they're not letting you drink. <laughs> I know. That's also true. You see, you, you actually, you deserve more money than my therapist, actually. <laughs> Do you think you're hard on yourself then when it comes to the big picture of what you want from your life and, and where you're at? Or do you think that, that you find tools every day to remind you that where I am is where I am because of where I'm going? I'm so hard on myself. It's it's a little mm. bit crazy. And I think last year was a bit of a turning point of that because then you, even though all these great things are happening, you're not enjoying the moment. 
you're not enjoying the fruits of the labor because you're just panicked about everything else and my anxiety and, you know, everything that gets coupled. It's very, like, the creative industry is a very tough oh, one God, to be it's, in. It's a gross. Because it's like, <laughs> it's yeah, disgusting. It's, it's, ter- it's like, why? It's like abuse. Like, it's what not are we like doing? abuse. It is abuse. <laughs> it's constant. <laughs> it's just... It's a constant, yeah. So it's all good and well to be able yeah. to create and, you and know, you in love your mind it. and come up and be wonderful. But the, but the thing is, it's not art unless other people experience it. And that is yeah. the toughest part yeah. of it, right? Is in opening yourself up to other people going, oh, no, that's what? What is that? Or because we're also, you know, we're both in an industry. It's a, an industry of being collaborative and collaborations. So if someone lets you down, it almost makes the whole yeah. artwork not yeah. seem great, even though you had a great vision. And the problem is then you think you are bad or you think you did not do a good job or you think, oh, it could have been better. Or you like no one knows the true yeah. story of why this is like this. You know, like it's always all this big defense. So it can get so super stressful that you do forget that wow like hello you're shooting this series and you're doing this that's crazy and it is because you did that Mm. five years ago so i i i don't know right now i feel like i'm in a better space of like exploring that but it's a very hard one to sort of stop and go this is cool this is cool this is great like it doesn't matter if 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 it flops tomorrow. The experience of what it is now is, is really What great. would you say that you think you might need to create clear demarcations then for yourself, to love the work that you do and the journey of it in the way that you've come to love and appreciate your tattoo so that even though whatever the project might be is not perfect in the by your terms meanwhile all of us are watching i'm like this is amazing you know but because you're such a perfectionist there are parts of yeah. it you don't love exactly you know and you almost want to write write a blog post about it and be like well so this this happened here this <laughs> this is not what it was supposed yeah, to be this is then- why this is like this exactly <laughs> you know what remember when there used to be like the the narrative like the, the yes. director commentary yes. on the movie right so i want to do that but be like okay so in this scene guys we only had like two hours and the sun was sitting and, you know, just to give everyone the backstory so that you'll feel like you know that's why it looks like this okay if we had more time and more. but yeah I think that's exactly but I do I do think I think part of it is letting go um and and that's the hardest part letting go and moving on um you like you can't control how people will react to things, but you can control almost how you play the game. You can control how hard you work to get there. You can control your attitude, whatever comes next, you can't control and you got to let it go and keep it moving. And that's been sort of my new thing. Like, let it go. I'm not hung up on the tattoo. I've let it go. I'm like, yeah, I'll fix it. You know, it's really not something that I'm like, and, and only now, and I'm not perfect in that, but I'm getting, a way better at just like letting go. And that was my mantra for the last year. Well, for this year at least is to let go, like move on, keep it moving. Cause I can get stuck on things and like hop and be like, Oh, why, why does this happen like this? Oh, remember that thing I did and this thing. And that's why this is, and it's just like, let it go. We're here now. So it's always about, stopping and I was reading a new earth while I was in Bali in December and it was just like 
if you just hear like on this phone call right now, like I have a million things I have to do on my to-do list. I'm sure you have a million things you have to do. And, but being here in this conversation is really great. It feels great. It's nice and it's wonderful. And that's what you have to do. Just be here. It's great. The work will still be there later so it's like why waste your time worrying about it and I'm not saying I'm perfect and I've got it and and stuff but it's I think it's just to keep reminding myself to let it go see the bigger picture like on the tattoo I know where I want it to be so I suppose you've pointed it out I know what I want to be eventually in the future so I've just got to keep knowing yeah. that that's what I'm working towards. And yeah. it's a work in progress. Yay. Yeah. Okay, we can end the interview now. We've made breakthrough. I know. <laughs> yeah, I'm just like, okay, breakthrough. I just want to call my therapist really quick and say, I'm not coming in next week. Still to come on The Unsullied. So, I mean, if I listened to them, then I would never move forward. I don't trust my thoughts for two seconds. And it's always been a hard thing to, you know, you read these books and it's like, you know, what you think of yourself is none of your business. But I'm like, but how? It is, I am myself. So how is it? But it's true. It really is none of your business. You just got to push through the bullshit because you're going to tell yourself a lot of shit in life. And you, t- you are telling it to yourself and making it worse for when someone else says it. Um, but I think if you work on your impulse and, and there's something that drives you to do certain things, to write and to, I think, I don't know why we're so crazy to put our vulnerabilities out there in art, in film, in television, in writing. Um, it's crazy to think that we do that. But, you know, every now and again, you get that one person, even if it's one person who's like, oh my gosh, I loved this because it did X, Y, and Z for me. And you're like, wow. If I was good, good, good. What was your first paid job in the entertainment industry? Was it as a model or a TV presenter? It was a kid's presenter. A TV, okay, okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, I started my, my first job was on radio, live radio doing the breakfast show and... I then um, eventually moved on to TV and then acting came way, way later. And I've struggled with transitioning through each of those spaces because at each moment, I've always felt like I don't belong here. I shouldn't be here. Um, Why have they opened the door and let me in? It's because they want to Mm. laugh at me. And, you know, that imposter syndrome is, is so intense with me. I, I literally kneecap my own self on my way into places and auditions are just disgusting for me, to be honest. Um, but I found that there was a period of time where I felt that with my career, I would take one step forwards and it would feel like a thousand paces back. Mm. And no matter what I did, I could never catch up with where I was trying to go. So I just wanted to get a sense if you've ever experienced that because you have moved through different sects of the entertainment industry. And if you did at any point, how did you get behind the driving wheel and make sure that you took charge of what you were doing and helped yourself understand that, look, if things aren't working out because of whatever, it's not because you're not good enough. It's not because you, you don't belong here. It's because sometimes it literally is a part of the process of being in that particular space. I'm still trying to learn that. <laughs> I'm like, girl, what are you asking me for? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I just, no, I think it's, it's imposter syndrome is a real thing. Um, I think, though, the, like the crazy thing with me is I had more self-confidence growing up. I was like, I am the shit, right? This is what I grew up thinking. And then the rejections come. Then the... 
you know, oh, sorry, you're not right for this. Come then, all then you're like, wait, what do you mean? Mm. I had all these plans for my life. Now you're telling me there are other people that you want to. Who's better than me? Who? I, <laughs> who are they? <laughs> who are they? What do they want? Um, so then I saw myself go on the opposite end of the spectrum, which wasn't cool. So then I started being, yeah, who, like, why am I worthy? What's, what, why should I do it? Why? And it, so I went almost the opposite way and trying to build myself back to being like, no, it is, as you said, all part of the process. Um, the rejections, like, like it's, it's a joke, but we have to normalize rejection. We have to normalize not getting what we want in life. It's just part of the journey. So just learning to be like, no, man, you are talented. Like you wouldn't have been this far. And if there was no talent there, there is something there. And you also have the perseverance to just keep going. Mm -hmm. So even though I'm like, oh, I feel like this, I feel like that. I'm constantly affirmed by the outside world that actually you're more than that, which just then shows you that there's a weird voice in you that's trying to bring you down. And sometimes you have to go, who is that? Who is that speaking? <laughs> what do you want here? <laughs> like, where did you come from, little voice that I don't care to hear from? Like, you know, sometimes I go to, I'm like, why did you think that? I don't know if you've ever done that to yourself, like a thought pops up in your head and you're like, that's actually crazy. And I'm like, who are you? <laughs> like, who is this person? Um, so it's like recognizing that sometimes um, you need to not look at yourself through you or don't actually don't trust your thoughts. Don't trust them. So what drives you not, then if you don't trust your thoughts? Are you, is if it, I trusted is it, my thoughts, I wouldn't create. <laughs> wow. Like I wouldn't, I would no, I'm honest. I'm like, honestly, because every piece of writing is never good enough. Every piece of proposal is having me second guessing. Wow. You just have to go on an impulse of this is good. Just do it. Yes, it's not perfect, but just like seriously single. I've never directed a feature or co-directed a feature film or even a long form kind of thing. I've done short form directing, but we were just like, let's just jump in and see what happens. And the whole time, well, not the whole time. I mean, I had the best experience on that set, but you don't know how many times I'm like, oh my God, they all know I'm they all know. <laughs> like, shit, 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 They know, they know, they know this is not real. Oh no. But, but, but then I was like, no, I can do this. So I'd still think of ways to make it cool. And then when someone's like, oh, I really liked how you did that scene, I'd be like, oh. It worked. <laughs> like, I lied. I it tricked worked. them. They know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, if I listened to them, then I would never move forward. Yeah. I don't trust my thoughts for two seconds. And it's always been a hard thing to, you know, you read these books and it's like, you know, what you think of yourself is none of your business. Mm. But I'm like, but how? It is, I am myself. So how is it? But it's true. It really is none of your business. You just got to push through the bullshit. Mm -hmm. Because you're going to tell yourself a lot of shit in life and you t you are telling it to yourself and making it worse for when someone else says it. Um, but I think if you work on your impulse and, and there's something that drives you to do certain things, to write and to, I think, I don't know why we're so crazy to put our vulnerabilities out there in art, in film, in television, in writing. Um, 
it's crazy to think that we do that. But, you know, every now and again, you get that one person, even if it's one person who's like, oh my gosh, I loved this because it did X, Y, and Z for me. And you're like, wow, at least I got that yeah. one person. You know what yeah. I mean? There's that, like, I always like, it's, it's, it's so crazy. I, when I get messages like that, you don't, you, you think that there's those people who connect with you. And then when you hear that they do, you're like, okay, you see, you're not crazy that there is some worthwhileness in this. So, yeah, I think um, like feedback is great, but also feedback is bad. Mm. Um, so it's finding the balance in, in, in all of that and trying not to define yourself, but by what the feedback is, but also taking in the feedback, if that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, absolutely. And it sounds like part of the yeah. feedback can even be the kind of environment you're in and the kind of environment you're allowed to nurture your creativity which then makes me wonder, have you found the, and I feel like you're going to say no, <laughs> have you found the sweet <laughs> spot, the perfect sort of host environment that you find really, really brings out the best in you, whether it's in your love life, your family life, your relationship with your colleagues or just your work in itself that you find when you're in this specific kind of environment, you are the best version of you you can be. It's that's such a tough one because I feel like there's different versions of it. So I grew up in front of the camera, but I always have known that I want to be behind the camera, just kind of a thing. So there's a likeness that I have to sort of creating content and just being, just making fun of myself. I really enjoy that. I think I am a hilarious. This is a big problem. <laughs> I think I'm so funny. So I'll make videos. Sometimes I don't even post half the stuff that well, I Well, you are. Well, the ones I've seen <laughs> anyway, you are funny. You should post more. Yeah. Yeah. So, but, they, you know, but I get into my head about it. But when I do that kind of stuff, just silly stuff, me on my phone doing stupid things. I love that. That's like sort of content creating. I love writing. I love sort of like, um, putting a story together. I've also found myself in post-production, cutting a story together. I, set is very stressful, so I tend to, you know, find that quite stressful. But creating, there's something magical about it. I always say to myself, you know, when something is hard, when I'm going through a really hard time with a project or whatever, I said, okay, cool. What else would you do with your life? Literally, I ask myself that question. I always go, what else would you do? And there's does yourself ever tell you back? Well, you could be a cook. You could be, we could be in Vegas right now. Matter of fact, <laughs> you know, what kind of literally, yeah, <laughs> no answer. There's never an answer, wow. which shows me that this is it. Then literally I go, come, cause I'm smart. I like, I could just, I can study and go get a degree in something. And like, I have no doubt I can do anything else. In fact, my when I was in matric, which is the last year of school, and uh, my teacher said to my mother, "This television thing is just a phase. Don't worry." Because I had good grades. I mean, yeah, I mean it's just a phase, and here we are. I don't know how many years later, <laughs> longest phase of my life. But the point is, every time I ask that, I'm like, "Okay, what do you? Oh, what else? What else do you want to do?" I can't answer it, which makes me go, "All right then. Well, buckle down, honey, and get to work and keep pushing, because you don't have a plan B." Um, so this reaffirms that what I'm doing is the right thing to be doing. I've just got to find, I think Shonda Rhimes said it in the, her book about a year yeah. of yes. Um, she was just like, she, she lost the work, the work, hum, I think, 
um, the thing that made the sweet spot, what you're trying to say, you know, because you can get drowned by having so much work to do and so many things that you forget why you do this. So you have to find the hum. You have to find the hum all the time and just remind yourself why you're here. And every now and again, you get that hum and you're like, oh, th- right, this is this is why I do this. It's not as often as I'd like, but the goal is to make it as often as I'd like. Yeah, no, that's beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I was just thinking that what is... What is We're having moment after moment. Yeah, it took a moment. I was like, what is my hum? And... <laughs> Yeah. When I found it, have I have I tried to hold on to it long enough so that it lasts more than a week? Because there, there are periods where I think I'm exactly where I should be right now. And it lasts. And sometimes it feels so fleeting that I wish I could just find a way to hold on to it longer to make it stretch like six months or something. So that when you're in the middle of the rut and, you know, work or whatever it is, is in literally trying to bend you over, you can hold on to your hum for comfort. Yeah. Mm. And I was like, oh, I don't Absolutely. know. What's my exact home? I don't know. I'm going to go think about that. Thank you for that. <laughs> yeah. you. you have to find it because then you have to work to like doing it as much as you can because we can get so lost in yeah. everything else. It's so easy to, and, and, you know, I, I think it's very easy to have conversations about doing what you love and your dream. I, I, I realize I speak from a place of privilege because people have to have, sometimes you have to have the nine to five. Um, and you have to pay, you know, black tax, as we call it in South Africa, where you, you know, we know it here for well. your mother. Yeah. So, yeah. So, you know what I mean? So I, I realize that this is not the norm for everyone. But even in that, even in your nine to five, what's your hum afterwards? You know, like, what is that thing that you're doing? Um, Garvey, I think Gary V, sorry, he always says, and I always feel bad about it, is like, you are in control of making your dreams come true. So yes, sure. You work a nine to five. Cool. So let's say you wake up at six, get the kids ready, go to work, you know, what do you do from when you get home at 6 PM till you go to bed at 11 PM? What is that that you're doing for yourself besides just sitting in front of the TV or whatever it is? Like you could put out an hour every day to do something that just makes you feel really good, whatever that is. And he, you know, he's like, instead, you guys are watching, you're binge watching House of Cards, you know, and I feel bad. I'm like, but sometimes we need to relax too. But the point is you can find your hum in anything and nine to five or not. Like sometimes my job feels like a grudge and oh my gosh, do I have to do this? But what is, what are you doing every day that you're like, oh, this is nice. Mm. Just like, you know, just like, oh, this is why I'm here on this earth. This is why I'm doing this. This is what I'm working towards. Um, even if you have a nine to five or even if you work the night shift or even, you know, like we all have something, um, but find your home, find it. And for you, how have you been able to do that considering lockdown, the isolation, the kind of work you do, the, you know, like you said, it is so collaborative and when you're collaborating with people, you're you're not just collaborating in terms of work, you're dealing with people's different emotions, different people's schedules and ability to deliver things in a certain kind of way. And so when you're in that situation and then you're now in a situation where you're literally in your house by yourself doing things literally over the internet constantly, how have you found this period has helped you either reconnect with yourself or pivot around the way you you manage yourself um, working around with people? 
So <laughs> what's the one thing I always say? Oh, if I only had time, I would write this. If I only had time, mm, I would do this. Mm, if I only had time. And then the good Lord was like, well, I'm shutting Here's down the world. The time you want. <laughs> Here's a, and then I remember when it, like, when it hit and I was like, oh, oh, right. Now, hey, <laughs> this is the time. <laughs> I was like, oh, did you mean now? Oh, no. It took me a while. I was like, no, I'm busy. <laughs> and then, you know, like our office closed down, um, sort of jobs that we had planned, you know, suddenly went yeah. away. Suddenly, you know, like all these things are happening. And I was like, oh, so you want me to finish my screenplay now? Oh, Oh, this is awkward. <laughs> I was just like, oh, this is not what I had in mind for 2020. No things to busy myself with. Stuck in my tiny apartment. Started baking things. Yeah, I saw the ba- I saw the I saw the baking phase. Yes. Yeah, it's just like going doing all the things until one point I just was like, you have nowhere to hide. Like literally, you have done everything that you could say you could do in this house. So sit down and finish. And we finished. I finished writing my screenplay. I sent it out. I got some idea. I've never pitched so much and I got it out. And it was so refreshingly great just to stop. Hmm. And obviously, I'm blessed enough to have a salary that can carry me through. But it was so nice to stop. To not be so busy. Oh, being busy is so boring. It's terrible. And it's so easy to be busy. We are so good at being busy. But what is it that you're actually doing? You know, what is it that we're doing when you're we're like, oh, I'm, oh, you know, how are you? Oh, I'm so tired. Oh, I'm so busy. Oh, I'm so stressed. That's not a question of anything of, you know, I try to stop myself. When people, but I mean, I failed. You asked me, how am I? And I'm like, I'm exhausted. <laughs> That's how I started because. the call. <laughs> yeah. But I'm just like, it's a, such a bad way. But because how are you? Well, I'm alive. I'm actually really great. You know, I'm drinking wine while I'm working. Things are not that bad. Um, so, yeah, I think I think it's the balancing act of all of that is quite crazy. Yeah. But lockdown really helped hone it down and almost made you realize that you spend your time on a lot of Mm. bullshit and how much you can actually bring together like i was like working out in the morning working cooking and you're like who is you like i should be a step one housewife yes exactly i was like (laughs) yes this is me yes honey but obviously it's not Mm. always like that some days you're not gonna win and i don't think you should be hard on yourself for that so i think lockdown has taught me that some days you're gonna want to work and that's going to be great. And some days you don't want to. And that's also okay. I think I've gotten really good at beating myself up for relaxing. And I'm just like, but you have to respect yourself as well. Um, it's not cute. Like, you know, it was always like a badge of honor. Oh, I work till 1 a.m. I've only had yeah, four hours yeah. of sleep. No, that's yeah. not cute. That's really not cute. Like, I, I, But I do get that you have to sometimes do it. I'm not saying, but I'm just saying if you keep bragging about it and thinking it's healthy, it's really mm-hmm. not. Sleep is also really it's great. It's very important. I it's, yeah. advocate for more of it. Yeah. 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 And I and I think we make the mistake of thinking, oh, if you're not sleeping, then you're doing well. Then you're hustling. Like, no, you know, a, a real oh, hustler well, I, will let you yeah. know that you should be hustling smart and working smart, not harder. 
you know, and that doesn't mean you're not working exactly. hard. It's just, you know, there are things that you should be doing that will allow other parts of your life to exist as well, because those parts of your life absolutely feed into the work you're doing. So if you're cutting one off absolutely. because, oh no, I want to make sure I'm able to brag the next morning about how I haven't slept because I stayed up so late for seven months in a row, that actually just shows that you're incompetent, really. <laughs> More than anything, we shouldn't celebrate yeah. that struggle yeah. life. You know, there are periods when it's needed, but then there are periods where you should absolutely tune back in and dial into yourself. So and I absolutely understand what you mean. Yeah. Um, I found that over this lockdown period, a lot of people were really struggling with it. You know, people who physically needed to leave the house, who are used to, because in Lagos, there's like at least four parties, uh, weddings and birthdays and whatever it is, like every week where we show up in all of our you know, big gillies and outfits and it's a whole business. And people haven't been able to do that this period. And they've been really struggling and I haven't, I haven't cared. It's been uh, like, oh, okay, yeah, all right, cool. I'm good. I've been at home. I've been doing workshops and, you know, writing or trying to write, setting up some of the um, productions for things I want to work on. And it's been really good for me to sit at home. And because I found the first period, it really, really flared up my anxiety. Well, speaking of anxiety, actually, oh gosh. So I have this shoulder injury, which I've been, we've been trying to figure out what's mm. going on pretty much all year. So yesterday I had to go get an MRI done. And during the scan, because I also suffer from um, like tight spaces, claustrophobia, I can't do it. I can't do it at oh, all. Like there are even okay. certain elevators I can't get into because it's so it's so boxy and small. It, it just feels too much like being in a coffin for me. Um, there's certain flights that if it's really long, I have to break it up. I can't be in the plane that long because I've, like I can only hold my brain for a certain number of hours in the plane. After a while, my brain goes, yeah, yeah, we need to land. We need to land now. We got to land right out. now. Yeah. If we don't <laughs> land now, there'll be problems, you know? So, <laughs> and it's not because I'm afraid of flying. It's just that tight space thing. So I got into this MRI machine yesterday and um, I'd done my breathing exercises. I'd done with the whole conversations with myself. I got into it and, I was, and, and as the machine started to slide you into the bit that scans you, Oh, the panic set in so hard. It's the worst I've had, actually. Like I was banging on the machine. Get me out. Get me out. Get me out now. And just like there was no air. I couldn't breathe. And the guy brought me out and he was like, it's just the machine. I was like, no, it's not that I'm scared of the machine, nimwit. <laughs> I am. It's claustrophobia. <laughs> like, it's you know, he was talking machine. to me like, oh, this bush yeah. people coming into this thing. They don't know what equipment looks like. I'm like, it's. Yeah, I don't even know like, what it is. That's not yeah. what it is. Like, and he yeah. was he was he was yelling at me. You're wasting everybody's time. There are loads more people outside waiting. I was like, I've been here all morning, and this was around four p.m. I've been waiting to get scanned. So I'm like, I'm I've been waiting all day, and I've paid you a lot of money to get the scan done. So trust me, this isn't fun for me either. Can you just shut up? So well, I, I didn't tell him to shut up, but I was thinking it. Like, if you would just shut up and give me a second, I just need to reset and go through my exercise, and then you know, walk myself back into my head and then I can get back into it. So eventually he let me do it and I, and I went and we got it done. Um, it was very, very traumatizing, but I thought I got over it. And then I got home and, you know, yeah. had an, an all right another evening, had dinner, caught up on some work. Then it was bedtime, got into bed and I'm starting to fall asleep. And then all of a sudden my whole body started shaking. Okay. My hand, which I wasn't allowed to move when I went oh to the thing, God started shaking almost like there were it there was a physicality to the pain i felt 
that now came out. And so my feet were shaking, my hands were shaking, my heart rate was all the way up. And I started crying and I couldn't, I couldn't even put words, I can't even put words to what it was, but it was horrible. And that kind of anxiety, I, oh man, sorry, I can't even, <laughs> I can't even say it now. No, yeah, I can't even say it now. But you know, I'm just wondering if, if, if there's anything that, that you find that you've experienced, whether it's anxiety or, or just having to confront yourself on some level and what kind, what are the kind of tools that you find useful to, to get through that? Anxiety in me. I mean, I've, I've never had an anxiety mm. attack or a panic attack, but anxiety in me are like besties. Like, like <laughs> it's just like we go hand in hand. I don't know Aratavilla without anxiety. It's very strange. Um, but I was very aware that it was getting to a point where it was making me just mm. ugh, all the time, you know, stomach cramps. Like it's just not healthy. And the first step I took was like, look, we need to figure out yeah. what's wrong. Why do you think the worst of every situation? Like what is in there? What is happening? So I started to take, and, 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 and I wanted to do it, especially before the film came out because I was like so anxious already as a person. I'm like, now you're going to have a film and everyone's going to watch it. So it's going to get worse. So I needed to be a better person. And I think the first step is realizing that you want a better life for yourself. And that's all I wanted. I was like, literally, I'm like, I'm, this is exhausting. You exhaust me. You know, when you tell yourself you, you girl, you're exhausting. You're a mess, actually. Like you You're always so brutally honest with yourself. It's to the point of, you know, <laughs> if you were your best friend, you pull yourself to the side. I'd be like, why don't you love me, man? <laughs> yeah, honestly, I feel like I have to be like that to myself because there's a, I don't know who the, the side of me is that is just so like anxious and nervous and thinks the worst that sometimes whatever this other voice be it god coming through or be it you know my inner self coming through going what is the matter with you so i think the first thing i did was like took therapy seriously i was like i need to go see someone and and try figure out what's what's actually happening and going on here and I think that's like the big first step to try know that you want to know why you think a certain way or yeah. why you act a certain way. You're not always going to get the answers, but it's just about questioning, right? So I question it. I go, okay, cool. So you're worried about this. Why? And then I'll start to see why. And most of it is usually because I'm worried about mm -hmm. what other people might think. And that's, and it's such a weird thing. And it's literally. Not. Why do you think that is? Was there ever a time when you were younger, maybe where someone who you held on a pedestal or something expressed an opinion where they didn't like something you did. And so you, that maybe that was your first experience of it. And after that, you've been sort of chasing that feeling of not letting somebody else down. Yeah. And so because of that, when you're working on things, you're like, oh, I don't want people to see this and think that this is awful. Yeah. So I don't know what it is, but something must have happened. Something like there's yeah. no way that it just was built up in me. I, I, I can't think. I mean, there's obviously moments and things that you're just like, was it that? Was it this? But like unprogramming yourself unlearning is such a process. Damn. You know, like it's just like, gosh, but you don't want to be 40. You know, when you've met your older aunts and your, your 
even your mothers and fathers and you see the baggage that they're holding on to and you're like, yo, yeah. I don't want to be that person. And I really don't want to be that person. When I am in my 40s, I want to be your rich auntie. You know, it's like, oh, rich auntie's coming over now. That's who I want to be as I land from my plane. You're listening to The Unsullied with Orica Goddess. That's me. And this episode was edited by 808 Extra. You can find them on Instagram at 808XTRA. If I was good, good, good. And then something about lockdown as well is it's made people look at their finances in a way that they haven't because people used to say things like, you know, I work so hard and so I treat myself by buying things or mm-hmm. if I didn't have to go to the office, I would spend less money because I'm not you know, paying for transport and I, all the other things they have to do on a monthly basis, which they attribute to the fact that they have to leave their house. If I never leave my house, then I won't really spend that much. And then I don't know about you, but I've spoken to some of my friends and they're like, yeah, so you know how I used to spend like, I don't know, random arbitrary number, $1,000 a month. Mm. And I used to say, you know what, if I never left my house, I would save at least $900 a month. So I asked them, how's that going? They're like, yeah, I now spend $5,000 a month. I'm like, how? You haven't left your house. They're like, I don't know. There's this thing called Amazon and I just keep ordering stuff. <laughs> I don't know if you guys have heard it. There's just like this thing, you know, like, yeah. You sound like me. You sound like me. <laughs> but yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. I mean, is there anything that you find that lockdown has taught you about how you did your relationship with money? And oh, is there anything when we're talking about finances specifically that you've learned over the past, let's say five years, that if you could go back and knock your younger self over the head with, with a stick and say, listen, girl, you need to learn this lesson about finances, what would it be? I think um, I'm like you. I'm just like, I'll be like bored. I'll be like, <laughs> oh, let me just go open the app. Ooh, what's that? I, I don't need it. <laughs> I don't need that thing. And I'm just like, but it's, look at it. I mean, I like, let's try it at least. And then, you know, 12 items in the cart later. And I'm just like, what's happening? So in the beginning of lockdown, I was a bit like that as well. I was ordering all these things and else. And then you're like, wait, hold up. I'm not <laughs> even going out. So there's no line item. You know, I do have a budget that I do every night, but I'm not even going out for drinks and cocktails, which is usually what I blame why I'm so broke halfway in the month. It's like, because you just went and had big dinners. But then I was like, I'm alone. I'm not going out. How am I still you know, spending as much money as I'm spending. And it's like, because you're buying things you do not need. Suddenly mm. I'm like, I need two incense holders. Why? <laughs> it's just like, what is this? Who are you? Um, so I had to learn that. That's, and I do this. I, I, and, but I'm, I'm, I'm good at saving. I'm not great at saving. But also I tend to just be like, oh, look, I got extra money this month. Let's go shopping. It's just mm. like dishing out the money. So in the last, I think, when we got to level three or four, I was like, let's cut that down. You don't need anything. And it's so weird how the mind can just shift. Last night, I was looking at clothes in my cupboard. I'm like, I'm so bored. And then I went online and I only found one thing that I liked in the the app. And usually, I would feel bad for liking one thing. So buy other things so that it's not just one thing. And then I... I only liked one thing and then I was like, do you need it? No. And I closed the app and I moved on with my life. Oh, wow. And that is so You're not me. Exactly. They're doing that so is, well. 
Yeah. But I, like, I have not bought anything online in so long. It's so unlike me. So I'm like, I've actually grown. And to have money, like some, like it's gotten to the point where I'm like, oh, I haven't spent anything. I even forgot, like I had a credit card <laughs> this last month. <laughs> so when I got a weird debit, because usually I pay in. Have your bank called you to say, hi, ma'am, we're just calling to check. Are you alive? Are you okay? Are you, are you alive? Need, have you forgotten your yeah. pin? Do you know where your exactly. card is? Because we'd like you to exactly. use it. <laughs> yeah. Like, why is this not happening? Because I was just like, oh, I I saw, I saw, because usually I pay into the credit cards, the various cards when I'm shopping and I don't know what's happening. But because I haven't been doing anything, I, they just took like the minimum amount because I haven't been doing anything. And I was like, what is that for? What is that? What? And then I investigate. They're like, it's your credit card. I'm like, oh, <laughs> you didn't oh. You didn't even know what the charge is for. (laughs) Yeah. I was like, what is, what is, why am I paying this? I'm like calling the bank. There's a weird charge. And they're like, it's your credit card, man. Wow. I'm like, oh yeah, that's, oh, okay. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) So it's just, I think it's been really good. I think it's been really like, I don't know what it will be like in a couple of months, but now I'm just like, I don't need that. And I'm Mm. not just going to buy things for the sake of buying things. I've literally, I think the best thing I bought, which maybe people say you didn't need, but it's changed my life, is a water flosser. It's so no, 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 no. That is not a waste. I'm sorry. As someone who's had one for years and uses it, and it's very, very important. Nothing gets your dentist clean like a water flosser. Oh, you need it's, one. It has changed my life. It has changed my life. Mm-hmm. I'm like, honestly, mm-hmm. where has this been yeah. in my life? So I don't feel bad about that. That's probably the one thing that I've bought in the last month. And I was, and, I, and I'm like, this is great. This is a game changer. Yeah. I'm here for it. No, I love it. <laughs> How love boring it. is my life for our lives? That <laughs> we're like, good. oh my God, a water flosser. Oh, it's we're talking good. about it as if we bought like no. Louboutins. Have you seen that <laughs> show on Netflix, um, Indian Matchmaker? Yes, yes. There's a guy there who's on a date online with a woman and they're both talking about how they love cleaning and they start going on about the, <laughs> the, the, the about the Hoover. Yeah, yeah. And that's like us now. Oh my God, don't you just love how the water just gets all the stuff in between your teeth? Like it's and it cleans like... it. I mean, plaque, what plaque? Yeah, well, everything's yeah, gone. Like everything. No, I'm, listen, I could talk about it with you for like the next five hours. I think you should. We should move on. About, yeah, about water flosses. We will start a podcast specifically for that and test. Yeah, we will yeah, test exactly. every single one available. Yeah. Oh my. Um, okay, so we have. Oh yeah, yeah, I wanted to to just ask again regarding the finances that for you. What helps you in terms of saving, in terms of um, even just being more accountable with your money is now whittling things down. It sounds like anyway, that you whittle it down to what you need and what you want. So if it's not something you need, then you have to ask yourself why you want it and why you should yeah. get it. And if, you, if it doesn't fall under either of those categories, then the money stays. Does it stay mm-hmm. in your debit card or do you then move it away to a savings account? Savings. Because obviously there's different interests and um, yes, yeah. Absolutely. So I have, um, I, I'm very good at, I draw a budget. I'm a producer. So luckily that's in my mindset. I draw up a budget and I'm like, this is what I'm going to spend each month. Yeah. Usually it doesn't end up because after a few tequilas, you're buying everyone rounds. And then the next morning you're like, I spent how much last night? It's just like, what, who are you? Um, 
But now obviously lockdown means that that's not happening. So what I do do is I make sure I pay into my savings accounts and various things. And I even have investment accounts. Um, I think it's really important to, especially in an industry where we are in, mm. where we don't have a corporate job, um, where we can get benefits. Uh, I still want to know if I got into a car accident, I could go afford like the best care or in 50 years that I can retire. Yeah. And I know these are all boring things and people don't want to think about them, but they're so important. Very important. It's just like sometimes I'm, like, I'm not even paying when I should be paying for my retirement annuity. But the fact that I'm paying something just means something to me. And I always look at it, I'm like, oh, so much money. And I know it feels like why now? But it's going to quantify in, in years to come and be something that you are so proud that you invest in. So it's about seeing the bigger picture. So I actually like have three different like savings accounts and each of them have a different benefit. So like the one is I won't see, I I'm not allowed to touch that money for like six years. Like it's not, you can't withdraw it. It's there. Cool. I hate that one. Especially when I'm really broke. I'm like, who signed for this? Like who, what, what were you thinking? Whose idea was not this? touching my own money. Yeah. I was like, it's my money. How are they going to tell me I can't take it anyway? So that one. Then I have another one that's like, I can withdraw it whenever I want. And that's problematic as well. Because I'm like, oh, I don't have money. Oh, I do. Let's go withdraw from that account. And then I have one that's a 32-day like notice account. And with the 32-day notice account, you have to ask yourself if you really want it. Mm. Because if you still think in 32 days, I'm still going to want this thing, then you do want it. So I have all those kind of like, so I have all the options um, with me. One I can't touch, one I have to think about, and one that's immediate. Mm. So the one that's immediate obviously gets withdrawn a lot more. But I'm so thankful to have the backups of, you know, the one that I cannot absolutely touch. Mm. Um, in for the next couple of years. So that's, that's I think it's so Is this something that came to you naturally industry. or is this something that you learned from your parents, your grandparents, watching your brothers, whatever? My brother, ah, my brother right. yeah. <laughs> my older brother, Kat, he studied BCom accounting. He's so pragmatic. He's so like, this is how it is. He was like, you need to get retirement in New Zealand. I'm like, who is this guy? Ew, ew. I'm out here trying to travel. Hashtag Rutini Travels. <laughs> like, what is happening? And he's just like, you got to do this. You got to do that. And I'm just, he makes me feel bad. Even when I was getting my first apartment, um, I was like, oh, I want a two bedroom, two bathroom, you know? And he's like, why do you need two bathrooms? Because in case when people come over yeah. and he said, so you're going to get a house that you can't really afford for in case when people come over. And I was like, why you, why you got to put it like that? Why you got to be such a buzzkill? Yeah, you, you, you have to think about it like Noah's Ark. You build it and they will come, you know? <laughs> exactly. Exactly, girl. You see, you get me. You get me. Um, but it was, it was starting to be like, yeah, everything with two bathrooms is blowing my budget. And then I really thought about it. He's right. I'm now willing to spend so much more paying off a bond because people might come over and I don't want them to use the same bathroom that I have. Like actually the insanity of it, if you actually think about it, but how many times do people buy beyond their mm. means just so other people can see that they have this thing? But when are those people always there? They're not always there. That's like the thing. And then you're sitting with the debt. 
So it's one of those things that now I like put myself into perspective. Like when I want something, I'm like, but But why are you buying this? Are you buying this? So people to say, oh, look at you, you have that. And then, yeah, you you have that for two seconds. Like me, I had people over my, when I first got my apartment, oh, I had dinner parties and dinner parties. Five years in, I don't see nobody. So I'm like, thank God I don't have a two bedroom, two bathroom because the cleaning bill from my domestic helper would be be much higher. Yeah, all for just like some ideas I had about how many dinner parties mm. I'd have. And literally that lasted like three months. Mm. Yeah. And there's, there is that pressure for this perception of, of I, I need everybody to know that I'm doing well. That does end up sometimes harming yeah. us and, and our goals. Because you're, like you said, you then, you, you then spend more time worrying about paying off a bond when you can spend that time worrying about, well, hopefully not worrying, but doing other things instead and be more productive and, and saving money and going on holiday and doing fancy things that you actually, actually love doing. Um, no, no, I completely yeah. understand. I was watching a show d- during the start of lockdown. I don't really do reality TV, but I actually binge watch all of this and I blame Netflix because they had the, um, <laughs> they had it on TV. Um, it's called Married to Medicine. Oh, if you yes. haven't seen it I yet, okay, show. I was going to say, if you haven't seen it yet, I do recommend you go watch it. I watch all of it in, I don't know, two weeks. I binge watch the entire thing. And there's a couple on there who, for me, were talking about, because you mentioned black tax earlier, and this also reminds me mm. of, of an episode where there's a couple there who were talking about how well they, the husband was doing really well. I've forgotten his name now. I want to say it's Nigel. I know it's not, but he's doing really well. And they moved from one house to really expensive house and then moved from they lost fifty thousand dollars and then they moved to another really expensive house that used to be owned by a basketball player and then they were renting i mean their finances were a mess and then the tax people came knocking and said they owed i think over one hundred and fifty thousand dollars or something they had to pay up and so they were talking about you know there's a black tax that we have to pay our parents and things but then sometimes Mm. in some black families what we find is some of our parents weren't as rich as we are now and so we weren't taught how to manage money. And so some of, and, and they were saying for them anyway, that they're the richest that they've ever been in their entire generation of, of kids. So nobody taught mm. them that when you make money, this is how you do, this is how you save it, this is what you put away. Yes, buy a house, exactly. invest in it this way. And so they just kept spending and spending and then they got in debt and they yeah. spent two years trying to just basically pay everything back and pay live back. more, you know, considerably less obnoxiously yeah i think we like i think black people it's very hard because uh, obviously our parents grew up poor and you're like i'm never going to be mm. like my parents right <clears throat> and then you're like spending and spending just to be like look i have it i have it finally but never knowing what actually it means and they don't teach us in schools they don't teach us the right things in schools that's where we yeah. should be learning it i question a lot of things that i learned in school like i'm sorry um, photosynthesis is great and all, but I don't know why I needed to know that so hard. Why was that a test in biology? Like, why do I need to know that? Just know that eating plants is great. I don't need to know that how the plant broke it down. Tell me how to work my taxes. Tell me how to do my tax returns. Tell me how to invest. I feel like, why are schools not teaching me that? Just say plants are good. <laughs> you eat it; it's gonna be great. Move, move on, on from with that. Your life, and if you, yeah, move on with that. I need stuff that's yeah. more practical: loans, balloon payments, and 
and and that's not taught and it's always like mm-hmm. blows my mind that why are we teaching this kind of stuff in school this is what yeah. matters yeah that's what matters yeah so we like we need to take ownership even the series um black mm. af uh, kenya barris's one which mm. i didn't really love but i mean he explores the idea of why black people become like yeah. peacocks while when they have money and it's just like he's right because of slavery we just never had nothing so it's just like i want things now and i want my life to be great and i want all these things without thinking about mm. investing about the future so yeah it's sad yeah. it makes me sad it's like we're in 2020 that's what exactly and i i my hope is that with people like you we're able to i mean because I, I i remember seeing your post on your instagram see i stalk your instagram the thing is what happens is yeah, i'm not always <laughs> on there and so when i go there like 10 key people whose instagram stories i go to just take a look at it feel good <laughs> and then i exit yeah so yours is yeah. one of them another yeah. one's my friend abby and she's just she's, she's hilarious um so yeah once i check it, i'm like yeah i'm good I, I don't need to see anything else and i log off again so i i feel yeah. like i catch your stories almost but you don't always post but then i'm not always there so i don't know if maybe i came yeah. on a day when you you yeah. haven't posted but you posted the day before like or something i don't know yeah. but there was one you did you put up where you'd mentioned that your niece doesn't think you're cool <laughs> and it upset you <laughs> I was so hurt. You know, if people were like, where did this come from? It was like, I posted at 10 p.m. I was just like, I told her, I said to her, oh, hey, I have a show, on, a movie on Netflix. Will you watch it? She was like, um, okay. And I was like, oh, do you see my movies coming out? And she's like, yeah. I'm like, are you going to watch it? She's like, yeah. She's like, is it on Netflix? She was so unimpressed. And I was like, I was like, did she just ask me like, is it on Netflix? As if like, that's a normal sentence that she just <laughs> asked someone. And I was like, oh my God, she doesn't think I'm cool. And like, I've always known she doesn't think I'm cool. But this like, you would think that being would on be, Netflix was yes. something she'd be like, yeah, yeah. No, she was still like, is that, is that the one on Netflix? And then I was like, how does she not think I'm cool? Like, honestly, it's just blows my mind. Cause I'm thinking about, it, I'm like, when I was her age, there were no cool aunts. I am the cool aunt and she doesn't like the one time I think we were joking about me taking her out somewhere and she literally looked at me oh, and like I'd rather not and I was so <laughs> oh, offended gosh. I was like what like uh, how do you not think uh, why am I not the person you want to hang out with it was yeah anyway I, I'm very hurt still I'm I don't sorry, know why you the re- up because that's just bringing all the reason I feelings. brought it up is that <laughs> my hope is with people like you <laughs> As you're now going to be aunts and, you know, people being aunts and uncles and parents to people who are coming the next generation, we're able to teach them stuff that we probably wouldn't have picked up from our parents. And that's everything from finances to our internal health, our mental health, our physical health as well. Because again, there's some things that we didn't really get emphasized on us. We got things that we got pressed on us when yeah. we were kids was always, you know, go to school, study, don't date anybody until you've graduated from university. And then outside of university, when are you getting married? And you're like, hang on, nobody told me about dating. Nobody told me what to do in relationships. All I was told was to study. I studied, I got my degree. Now you expect me to just miraculously find a husband? Where, where do they find them? <laughs> that wasn't in my class. I didn't yeah, get a session exactly. on that. You know, so some of yeah. us become so yeah. book smart that we're not life smart. We're not person person smart and i'm hoping through our experiences we're able to do better for the generations that come after us is, is why i brought it up i'm sorry <laughs> i'm sorry 
<laughs> now I'm so mad. I'm just like, oh my gosh. She's a, she, now, because you know what you made me think about? She didn't even tell me if she likes the movie. So now I'm like, oh my gosh, she really thinks I'm uncool. <laughs> she's just like, she was like, yeah, sure. I'll fit it into my schedule. And I'm just like, you're 18. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> I think what you need to do is get it on TikTok or uh, what's that other one they use when they're gaming? Um, not I don't. Oh, I can't remember. You know, this uh, is why I'm old. Well, you know that Instagram has reels now. It does, yeah. But apparently the TikTokers aren't really keen on it because it's not TikTok. It's try. It's it's a try-hard TikTok. Well, thank so God. on it. Yeah, Mark Zuckerberg is like thinking he yeah, can he take does. over with everything. Yeah. But um, it's, yeah. Yeah, so it's, it's yeah, interesting times we live in that now someone thinks I'm I'm going to move on now because I feel like I really did bring up something I shouldn't have. Sorry, <laughs> I really only brought it up to make a point Girl, about how we're so being touched. better. But I'm sorry, no. you're so cool. Thank you. Can you tell her? Like, it's just like, can I send her your number? <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Unsullied podcast. If you'd like to talk about this episode on social media, please use the hashtag #TUWOG. And if you want to share this on with somebody, you can use linktree forward slash O-R-E-K-A-G-O-D-I-S. Now, all this information, you don't have to cram it. It's in the show notes. So just scroll. Scroll now. It's there. Thank you. If I was good, good, good. All right. So we're going to enter like the quick fire round so I can let you go to your mountain of work. You've been so gracious with your time. If you were a book that you wish your parents read before they had kids, what would you be and who would write you? <laughs> that is, what What kind of a question is that? That is, what? If I, like, okay. Um, uh, leave your baggage at the door. Um, that would be the title that I would give it to my parents to read. And Do you know, I actually <laughs> see the book cover. I'm seeing blue like a lot of blue and like very well illustrated cover. I, well, I hope this means I'm writing a book soon or getting a book out there. Um, you should. I would love to. And actually, it's one of my plans actually. But um, who would write it? Oh, that's a tough one. I don't, I don't know. I would write it. I would have to write it. I would have to say, so as your child and noticing how you've done things, I just want to talk to you about baggage <laughs> and leaving it at the door. Yeah. Pick an age, an age that you remember very, very well. Uh, 17. Okay. Can you describe 17 you as a food item or an accompaniment? Nerdy. Food item. I don't know what food item, but in a compliment. I know nerdy doesn't seem like a compliment, but I was a complete nerd and I kind of like it. Um, food item. Jeez, where did you get these questions? <laughs> <laughs> like girl what is it oh i know i'd be like a i'd be like that red dragon fruit so kind of like ah. weird and and an acquired taste but yeah very interesting yeah i like that because it looks interesting on the outside yeah and on the inside exactly. and the taste is so specific it's one exactly. of those ones that you can't you know, you can't say, oh, it tastes a bit like... Exactly. It's like you, pomegranate to me. I can never describe what pomegranate tastes like to people. And some people either hate it or love it. And there's no yeah. in between. Yeah. 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 That's what no, I would I say. Like <laughs> yeah, random ass question though, but cool. <laughs> <laughs>
Thank you. Thank you very much. What's the most embarrassing thing you've ever experienced, lived through? But don't tell me the whole story. I'd just like to know what it was in four words and four words only. It doesn't have to be, in fact, don't make it in the most random order you can think of so that I don't even have to patch it together and think, ooh, is that what she meant? The Leto Hills event. Wow. <laughs> you said I know random. I said I, I know. Yeah. Because yeah. I know. And then I'm like, oh. you're like, whoa, hang on. I need it. Nope. Nope. Mm-hmm. I followed your rules. <laughs> That's a great one. Okay, fine. I'll go try and crack that puzzle later on by myself. Yeah. Could you please recommend a book or two that you've, that you've read and you absolutely love and you believe that everybody else should have on their bookshelves? Like ASAP. Um, I read, um, oh, wow. And of course, I'm going to forget what the name of the book is. Oh, wow. Well done. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Purple Hibiscus, is that what it's called? Yes, uh, it is, by Chimamanda yes. Ngozi Adichie. Yes, yes, yes. I was so surprised at how much I enjoyed that book. Oh, wow. But just talking about family dynamics mm. and the idea of visiting and living with an aunt, you know, who lives in a different place and things are done differently, just... Um, creates these memories and triggers these memories from when I was younger where you don't like my mom tells me about how sick she was like you know when I was little and she'd send me away to my aunts but I don't remember her being sick I just remember these times and very like it's in this book it's very vividly I mean there's no abuse in my family not to give anything away but it's just like that experience of this girl going to live with her aunt and then learning about new things kind of reminded me of visiting my aunt and living with her for a little bit even though she's like got this tiny she was like uh she was a, like a maid back in the day for a jewish family and i would stay in the back rooms with her and even though that was like a weird situation i just remember it so well i remember taking candlelit baths and eating the acorns off the tree and this book just triggered all of that for me and it was just so lovely and inviting and i loved it and then the other book that I would say is Make Time. I don't know the author's name. It's just a book about doing the things you have to do so you can schedule in the things you want to do. Mm. And I think it's an important read just for everyone to just make time. Yeah, especially I the hustlers we, who like hustling and not sleeping. Exactly. Yeah. Like you have to sleep and you have to do all the things. So two books, one fiction, one nonfiction. Yeah, um, Make Time, and, um, How to Focus on What Matters Every Day by you, Jake Knapp you, and John Zeratsky. This is why you're the professional here. <laughs> <laughs> it's called I'm just like, Google. there's this book. Yeah, I know. I'm just like, there's this book. Yeah, exactly. And it's just such a practical, great way to relook at how you structure your day. Yeah. And I love it. Yeah. I like the cover as well, actually. Just looking at it, like they've made it like little notepads and stuff. Exactly. So, yeah, start thinking exactly. about what the cover for your book will be because it's inspiration everywhere. No, clearly. I, I don't know. I'm cancelling my therapy session. I'm just going to be like, listen, I did this podcast and it was amazing. And now I don't need you anymore. As if. Oh, Lord. No, therapy is amazing. There was a period yeah. when, um, for me, I went through, so my anxiety ramped up to depression. And then they put me on Zoloft. I had a horrible reaction to Zoloft. 
And so I weaned myself off it. When I say weaned, I mean, I went cold turkey, which you're not supposed to do. You're supposed to gradually ease off the dose. Yeah. But I was like, no, I don't like being, being on this. The way it made me feel, it was, it felt like I was in a bubble. So whatever it was that was stressing me or causing me harm still existed. I was aware of it, but it felt like I was in a bubble so that it was outside of me and then i also felt outside of myself and there were so many times people would come to to like i'd be in people's houses or just hanging and i unbeknownst to me i'm sitting in the corner staring out the window <laughs> like a mad person <laughs> oh wow <laughs> like i just was constantly just isolating myself from myself and people and things and i just didn't like it so i forced myself off it and then it turned out i had a vitamin d deficiency so oh, wow. sometimes when people tell th- tell you things like go and do your blood work before you go on any kind yeah. of medication including supplements it's, important. it's, it's so yeah. important because you might find that you have a vitamin d deficiency or even vitamin b12 as, as well apparently if you are deficient in that it can have some things that you notice with your bones or even with depression and, and anxiety and stuff as well who mm-hmm. knew wow yeah wow yeah Jeez. although i didn't oh. find out about the vitamin d deficiency until 10 years after my zoloft experience but then it oh. made me wonder if i'd always had that, that been, yeah yeah and i never yeah, should have gone yeah. on the zoloft in the first place yeah but yeah, no, yeah. therapy is amazing. And I, I'm, I'm not happy about how not everybody has access to it, especially in this part of the equator. I mean, I feel <sighs> like you have yeah. more access to it in South Africa, than, or at least in Johannesburg, than we do here um, in Lagos. Um, but the great thing is that now people are able to do the online therapy sessions. So you can book someone from anywhere in, in the world or in the States and just pay over the internet. So I definitely encourage people to do that. And there are places you can go in Lagos as well for like, group meditations and things if you're into into that um how about you do you find that it's it's easy to get access to to mental health care um i think it's a it's an expensive luxury uh, um, that's a shame and it shouldn't be it shouldn't be it really yeah this, you know if we had to restructure our school curriculums and you know life orientation being more about coping tools and you know i get that it's a profession for people that access you're absolutely right it's not hard it's just it's a luxury um to say that i can afford to pay someone to help me go through my problems i feel like people have more important things even though mental health is so important um it's really unfortunate in south africa does it cost more than going to see the dentist Mm, depends on yeah it can actually If I'm just going for a normal checkup, yeah, it can. So that's why it's like, I mean, you have at government hospitals, you would have um, sort of like social workers and stuff, but that's a different kind of ball game. Mm. Um, So I do wish there was more access for it. Or even if, you know, as kids growing up, there's just more coping tools and and discussions about that. Um, I think it's taken for granted, but yeah. Yeah, maybe we should open a school. What do you? Think? I think so. <laughs> yes, we should. Yeah. We should do. We'll call it bad education. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, there you go. <laughs> we'll teach people how to become Las Vegas. Exactly. <laughs> the only thing that matters. And then the next time Beyonce comes calling, saying she needs people to dance in her videos, we're like, we have your showgirls right here. We have exactly. They're right here. You don't what need do to you go need? anywhere else. Yeah, they they yeah, are born ready. Mean? 
Okay, well, I love this podcast. I really enjoyed spending this time with you. Thank you so much. Yeah, I can't wait to listen. Now I'm like, actually, I'm going to go back and listen to the other ones because I'm like, damn, girl. No, this is perfect. Thank you for your time. My mother told me that she will buy me a rubber dolly if I was good, good, good.